0: And I'm Howie Silberger. Welcome to the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. You could join us in the conversation. The number to call is 1-877-669-1292. That's 1-877-669-1292. That's the number to call to get in on the conversation here on the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. I want to tell you that there has been quite a few changes on True Talk Radio lately, and I want to fill you in on them. Uh, We've added a couple of shows. We added Passion with Dr. Lori Batito and John Pohl. They air every single night. Uh, Well, it's a new show on Tuesday, but we repeat it every single night at 11 p.m. So if you missed it on Tuesday, you can catch it every single night at 11 p.m. right here on truetalkradio.com or on the True Talk Radio app. Tell your friends about the True Talk Radio app, True Talk Radio Network app. And it can be downloaded from any of the app stores, True Talk Radio Network app. We're adding this week a new show, uh, Rick Keen's Music Scene. It will be added. It'll start tomorrow. Uh, Check the schedule on truetalkradio.com for the times that it airs. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what time it's going to fit in. But uh, check truetalkradio.com for the time. Rick Keen's Music Scene starts tomorrow. Uh, and, of course, we have we have our regular shows. We have my show, The Howie Silberger Show. We have um, Political Hitman with um, Howie Silberger. We have Inside the Vault with Sheldon Eric Freed. We have The Stuff File Program with Peter Anthony Holder. So many Montreal-produced shows, and we are looking for more. If you produce a show or you want to produce a show here in Montreal... And, uh, and you want it aired, and you want people to listen to it, feel free to contact me, uh, Howie, at truetalkradio.com, and I'll be more than happy to discuss the possibilities of putting your show right here on True Talk Radio. What an exciting opportunity for Montreal radio people to have an outlet where they could produce radio and not have to worry about corporate overlords looking down on them and telling them what to say and what they can't say, and what they could do and what they can't do. We are committed to producing Montreal Radio, and Montreal Radio at its best, and we are committed to allowing artists to produce their shows in the format that they want to produce them in, and, uh, and to, to express their skills in their art, in, in the way that they express their skills in their art. So I invite you to join us here on True Talk Radio, produce the show. Uh, we're, we're I'm working on a couple of other shows that I'm producing myself. Well, not me as host, but I'm producing them for other people that will air here on True Talk Radio. There's some exciting stuff coming up, and uh, our goal is eventually to have just two syndicated shows on the station: Frank Catolos, Catolos Chronicles, because he's been on the station since day one, and we're not taking him off. And um, Neil Haley the Neil Haley Show, who's been on our station since day two, and we're not taking him off either. But other than those two shows, every other American syndicated show that we air on True Talk Radio, I want off the air by, by the, uh, by by the summertime. I want to replace it all with Montreal Radio, and uh, and you know Montreal Radio means that you know if we have more shows, then we will stop repeating shows every day and we'll start airing shows every day. So the more shows you produce, the more shows that we produce, the more shows that uh, that get that become part of True Talk Radio, the better it is for everyone here in Montreal and Montreal Radio. And, of course, we invite you to help us uh, financially. Uh, there's a GoFundMe campaign going to try to uh, raise money to help us financially as we produce all these Montreal shows and put them on the air. Uh, you could go to GoFundMe.com uh, and search for uh, help Fund Independent Radio in Montreal, and it is us, and uh, you could help us uh, financially, and that would be much appreciated. I'm Howie Silberger. It's the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. You could call in one 669 1292 is the number to call. Uh, recently, uh, since the skirmish between Gaza squirmish, I mean, since the Gazans tried to commit genocide against the Jews in the Middle East, and uh, the uh, Jews in the Middle East fought back, uh, Jews apparently in this world are not allowed fighting back. That's, that's, uh, that That's a cardinal sin, apparently, to fight back when you're being attacked. So, um, so so, Jews, well, Israelis that fought back were condemned by the world. And not only were they condemned by the world, they've been condemned by the New York Post and the New York Times and, uh, and the Washington Times because newspapers can't stand the fact that Jews are strong and Jews are fighting back. And Jews have suffered the consequences around the world. So we've seen Jews in New York, in Montreal, in Toronto, um, in Spain, in, in Greece, being beaten up on the streets. A scene that has not been seen since, uh, since the early 1930s in Germany. It is a scary situation. A scary, scary scenario. When you think that uh, people walking down the street are hiding their Jewishness for fear of being attacked. I thought we lived in a free world. I thought we lived in a, in, in, in a free society. Apparently not. Well, apparently not if you're Jewish. And, and that's a uh, it's a big problem for me. I have I have a huge problem with that. And so um, and so we, we get on the air and I, I talk about this on the air and people call me a fascist for saying what I say on the air and I don't really care. Uh, I've been advocating for years that Jewish children should be taught martial arts in school. This should be a compulsory course in every high school and every elementary school across the world. Every Jewish high school and elementary school across the world. Jews should be taught self-defense. Not because we want to be offensive and want to go and attack people. Because when we get attacked, we should be able to defend ourselves. I read uh, recently there was a uh, posting online. Actually, Barbara Kay uh, shared this posting. It wasn't about her. It was about somebody else. But she shared this posting of a person who said that they were at a Montreal rally, a Montreal pro-Israel rally. And after the rally, they were walking back to their car, and they were attacked by a bunch of thugs who wanted to beat them up because they were Jewish. I mean, there's no other reason to beat up Jews in the streets of Montreal uh, unless it's because they're Jewish. You're not beating up Jews in Montreal because something happening in Israel. You're not beating up Jews in Montreal because something happening in Gaza. You're not beating up Jews in Montreal because something's something happening around the world, somewhere around the world. You're beating up Jews in Montreal because they're Jews living in Montreal, and you hate Jews. There's no other reason to beat up Jews in the street of any city. So they went to beat up these Jews, and these Jews had no idea how to fight back, and they ended up running away. But that's not really a great strategy when you're dealing with, uh, with, with thugs and bullies. Running away from a bully doesn't stop the bully from beating you up. It just encourages him to come back and do it again because he sees you're weak. Jews have to be strong. Jews have to show their strength. And the only way Jews could show their strength is knowing how to defend themselves, knowing how to fight, and knowing how to fight back. Failure to do that, uh, and, and you know the, the Jewish community has failed to do this. I'll tell you a story, a short story, before I get to Sheldon. Sheldon's standing by. Before we go to Sheldon. I'm going to tell you a little short story because I think it's an important story. and It happened 30 years ago, and it's still relevant today. So 30 years ago, uh, I, uh, I I had the same feelings I have today about Jews defending themselves. This was a feeling that I've had forever. It's not the first time. It's not my first rodeo of Jews being beaten up in the street. I've seen this before, Unfortunately. So uh, about 30 years ago, uh, there were Jewish old ladies who were being beaten up and robbed. They were being mugged in the Snowden-Coteneige area of Montreal as they were walking home from the grocery store. Uh, They were getting their arms broken, their legs broken, and uh, it it was really a a scary situation. And uh, one of my friends came to me. He called me. I was running an organization called Save All Jews Everywhere at the time, uh, an organization I founded uh, in, in the early 90s to fight for the rights of Jewish people, to fight for the defense of Jewish people. The, um, I get a call, and, uh, and, and people are asking me to do something about this because I'm running this organization, and they expected us, an organization called Save All Jews Everywhere, they expected us to save all Jews everywhere. I mean, that's what we had pledged to do. And we were based in Montreal, so why would we not be saving Jews in Montreal? It was a great question. So uh, I looked around and I found a guy. His name was uh, Natan. Uh, I won't give you his last name, but uh, his name was Natan. And Natan and I decided that he was going to start an organization called the Jewish Security Force. Now, what was the goal of the Jewish Security Force? It was not to go out and attack Jew haters. That wasn't our goal. The goal of the Jewish Security Force was to be a walk-safe program for old people in the Snowden area. So that if an old lady wanted to go to the supermarket, they were all afraid to leave their homes at the time because a whole bunch of them had been beaten up and mugged. So if they wanted to uh, leave their home to go shopping or they wanted to leave their home to go to the bank or had a doctor's appointment, we would supply a bodyguard to go with them and to just walk with them to make sure that they got there safely. Uh, The bodyguard's job wasn't to attack people. It wasn't to, uh, to, to provoke violence. It was to stop violence if violence happened. And these bodyguards would be trained in martial arts. This guy, Natan, was a black belt in martial arts, so we we, we arranged for him to train people. And we put out the call for young, strong Jewish people to come and train to be bodyguards for old people who were walking to the mall. Well, we got 3,000 volunteers. 3,000 volunteers. And Natan started training them. And the Suburban got wind of the, uh, of the of the project. We we weren't really into advertising it. The less we advertised it, the better it was because we knew how the Jewish community works. And uh, the Suburban got a wind of it and they ran an article and they included Nathan's in picture in the article and a whole description of what we were planning on doing. And the fact that we had sponsors, we had people who sponsored communication equipment, we had people who sponsored shirts, so we'd be visible and uh, very visible in the public so that people would see that, we, that who we were and that we were there. And I got a call. And I got a call from Yechil Glustein, who at the time, the late Yechil Glustein, uh, of blessed memory, he called me up and he says to me, he was the executive director of Bnei B'rith, and Robert Libman was the assistant executive director of Bnei B'rith at the time. Or maybe he was just replacing him. Uh, it, was, it was kind of uh, uh, the transition period when Robert Liban was taking over B'nai B'rith. And they called me into a meeting in their office. So I went into the office and I said, hi, <laughs> what can I do for you? And uh, they looked at me and they said, we want to talk to you about the Jewish security force. This was just after the Suburban article came out. I looked at them and I said to them, hey, listen, I, uh, I'm not involved in the Jewish security force. Yeah, okay, I was involved in, you know, he came to me and they wanted, to, uh, they wanted me to be involved in it. I didn't want to be involved in it. I gave them strategical advice on how to set it up, but in reality, it had nothing to do with me. Natan was running it and had nothing really to do with me. And they said, yeah, 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 Howie, we know how you work and we know that you're in charge of it and so we're telling you we don't want you to do this. I looked at them, I was dumbfounded. I looked at them, I said, you don't want me to do what? You don't want me to protect little old Jewish ladies who are being beaten up by thugs in the street? I mean, isn't that our job, that we protect each other, that we, that we make sure that we're all safe? No, we don't want you doing this, and if you continue to do this, then the organized Jewish community is not going to look very favorably upon your organization. I said, okay, I didn't really care. And I left the room. I walked out. Now, I, didn't, I forgot to mention, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention, it's a very important point, that Michael Krelenstein, who was the director of Canadian Jewish Congress, was also sitting there in the meeting. And, um, and Michael Krelenstein, and Canadian Jewish Congress and B'nai B'rith didn't get along at the time. So this little project of the Jewish security force actually caused Jewish unity, where B'nai B'rith and Canadian Jewish Congress came together to unify against, against an organization that wanted to go out and protect Jews so I told him okay whatever thank you very much and I left two days later I get a call from a detective sergeant in the Montreal police force the detective sergeant says to me could you and Natan come down and see us we'd like to speak to you come to our uh, come to our station station 25 was on the corner of St. Matthew and, uh, and St. Catherine downtown okay Natan and I got into the metro we went downtown We went to the police station. We sat for two hours with the cops. As the cops told us that what we were doing wasn't illegal. There was nothing illegal about what we were doing. But they would be watching us very closely. And if we stepped one inch out of line, one centimeter out of line, actually, he said, uh, they would be up our, excuse the expression, up our asses quicker than we could uh, bend over. That's what the man told me we left the meeting kind of wondering how the police got our contact information how the police you know acted it was it, was, it wasn't it wasn't a mystery to me that uh that i got a call from the police just a day or two days after i had a meeting with the Jewish congress where i told them to buzz off so it, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't shocking to me that i got a call from the cops so we, we, had a, we had a meeting, me and Natan, and uh, we decided that we were going to continue with the project because the project was too important to stop uh, because Canadian Jewish Congress and neighbors didn't like it. Way too important. And we continued. A few days later, Natan calls me up. And he says to me, listen, he says, my father just got a call from the RCMP. He is a uh, immigrant from Russia. And they told him that if he continues to... If I continue doing what I'm doing with the Jewish security force, they're going to deport the whole family back to Russia. He says, So I have to quit. I have to I have to quit. He says, I can't take the risk. And I was thinking, could you imagine these were, this is our organized Jewish community. And this is what they did to a couple of young guys who were trying to help the community. And so I bring up the story, not because I want to dig up 25 year and 30 year olds, 30-year-old beasts I have with Federation. That's not why I bring up the story. I bring up the story because um, Jews are being beaten in the street. And it's the Jewish community's job to protect them. And lip service doesn't do it. When we want to protect the Jewish community, what we have to do is we have to teach the Jewish community how to protect themselves. And the only way that we could teach the Jewish community how to protect themselves is to teach them self-defense to teach children self-defense so that when they become adults, they know how to defend themselves. It's the only way to stay alive, at least in my opinion. I'm Howie Silberger. You can give me a call, one This is the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Joining me now is my friend and yours and my colleague and, uh, and the birthday boy last week, Mr. Sheldon Eric Freed. Mr. Sheldon Eric Fried, happy birthday. Uh, how does it feel to be, um, to be one year older?
1: Uh, well, you know, it's great being 24.
0: Oh, 24 uh, yeah, on one, that's, on, that's, one that's, on one on one leg. A, yeah. My
1: significant other se- "Well, even even in two legs, I'm still younger than what you think I am."
0: Oh, it's true. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, thank you very much for your wishes. Uh, yeah, it was very very nice. It was a really really nice beautiful day. That's for sure. You know, it it reminds me when you were saying about this topic about uh, kids being learned to defend themselves. I remember. When we were at Radio Shalom. We were actually having that same that that same discussion. Yeah, isn't it amazing?
0: was about ten years ago that we had the same discussion. <laughs> it's yeah, amazing. And it
1: was actually the Jewish Defense League was being brought up. That's right. And I get. To, I'm going to ask the magical question again. Do you think that the Jewish Defense League should come into the city and start protecting? the Jewish people.
0: You know, at the time we had the conversation about the Jewish Defense League, um, I think it was like seven or eight years ago. Yeah,
1: uh, it was the, pretty much when I joined yeah. Yeah, the staff. Yeah.
0: So it was about seven or eight years ago we had that conversation with the Jewish Defense League and we had Rabbi Pupko on who said, uh, I don't believe that Jewish Defense League should come to Montreal. And, and I came out against the Jewish Defense League coming to Montreal at the time. I didn't think the situation warranted uh, the Jewish Defense League. Uh, I do think that the situation warrants the Jewish Defense League now. When yeah, that's what I think too. When the, yeah. um, when, when, when the community has to resort to putting two security guards plus the regular security that's standing in front of a school. So you have three security guards standing in front of schools because they're afraid of attacks. When you have uh, fortified buildings and you have buildings that, are, um, that have to be fortified uh, stronger than Fort Knox because people are threatening the Jewish community. When you have Jews being beaten in the streets, now is the time for the Jewish Defense League. And uh, I, I really believe that, uh, that it's time to bring in the Jewish Defense League, uh, if not only to protect Jews, but to make enough noise to say that we're not backing down, that we're a strong community. And uh, Federation of B'nai B'rith are not the organization to do that. I'm sorry. They're, they're, they're great at advocacy. They're great at, uh, they're great at diplomacy, but they're not good at saying, hey, you know, this is, this is terrible.
1: What I'm thinking also is the fact that, you know, it's one thing for people to have opposing points of view and have demonstrations. But it's a different story when thugs actually attack the other side physically, throwing rocks and beating people up for no reason because they believe that they're right. I mean, it's one thing to have a different opposing points of view. I get that. We get that and how many times have we discussed and no matter what demonstrations people do, it's always a splinter group of different groups of thugs that completely annihilates what the demonstration was, what the purpose of the demonstration was. Now, you know, it's it's one thing, you don't like this, you don't like that, but if you don't hurt them, if you don't hurt them, if you leave well enough alone, that's, you know, that's one thing. When you actually physically, physically go up to a person saying, I don't like you because you're this. I don't like you because you're that. I don't like you because of the color of your skin. I don't like you because you're wearing wearing a Jewish star. You know, I'm sorry, but we, we're supposed to be living in, in in a society, especially in Canada, that we're supposed to all get along. And now it's the, the situation in the Middle East is now spilling on all over the world and it's a it's a it, first of all the whole thing should never have started to begin with and then also to use a m- mosque in jerusalem to stockpile weapons yeah i mean you're using a holy it's like it, it's like if people were to use a synagogue now if if israelis were to use a synagogue to stockpile weapons you wouldn't believe the coverage the media w- would give and obviously the coverage wouldn't be good now would it but when you're saying a mosque and then stockpiling weapons against Jewish people and then you get missiles that are flying into Israel, I mean, you know, like enough is enough. If people have to start learning of acceptance, tolerance and people living in peace. And, I, and and you know, I'm surprised in a country that's supposed to be progressive like Canada and countries like Canada, United States and other and other developed countries that people have to stoop so low because a person is not what what they want them to be and to commit utter violence and ridiculous crimes against people, their families, the, the loss of life, the bloodshed. This has to stop, and it has to stop now. They're innocent people, and we have to put an end to this. And how we... How we're going to do it, it's like you said, I the Jewish people have to learn to defend themselves. We have to have the Jewish Defense League in Montreal, and I thought I would never, 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 never say it I'm say shocked that.
0: to hear this from you, Sheldon. Like, no, absolutely I, I, shocked.
1: You the, was, you're you're well, the lefty
0: I'm, on the show, right? I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm sho- shocked I'm by this.
1: Shocked. I'm, well, you know what? I'm lefty, but I'm also, I'm also progressive, and I call a spade a spade. Like I said, if people on the right are advocating for the common good and for the and for the peace and everything like that, and improve the quality of life. I'm for them. It's not because if I'm left leaning that I disregard anything that anybody on the right ever has to say. And you know, that's not the way I am. And the thing is, I thought I would never say this, Howie, but we have to, we have no choice because like you said, if B'nai B'rith and, and other, and, and, and other, uh, Uh, parts of the Jewish community is not going to protect us. We need somebody that will. Okay, so they're going to argue,
0: Sheldon, that they're protecting us by putting security at all buildings and by uh, telling Jews, stay out of the streets as much as possible, hide your Jewishness. I mean, they're saying they're protecting us like that, but that's not the kind of protection I'm talking about.
1: No, look, it used to be years ago people were proud to wear their mezuzah, the Star of David. Now there's many, many people I know, uh, that won't even wear a mezizah. They will not wear the star, David. They're scared. They're scared to bits. They're yeah. absolutely, they're petrified. And this is Canada. This is in our own backyard. This is not, this is not so in a... Who wants
0: to live in a society where you're scared to show your identity? But then again, we live in Quebec where they legislated that you can't wear religious symbols in, in public in public spaces, right?
1: Well, this so, is a totalitarian government because they're against, they're against any religious symbols. They're against... But what message is that?
0: Our... But what message is that sending to the haters? So here you have a government telling you that you can't wear a, a hijab, you can't wear a yarmulke, you can't wear a turban. And then uh and then suddenly your know, Jews are being beaten up in the street because of something happening 7,000 miles away. Now now I'm I'm wondering, is there a correlation there? Do you think that 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 somehow it might be it might be related that the government has sent the signal saying that, you know, we don't really don't care if you're beating up Jews. We don't care if you're beating up Muslims. We don't care if you're beating up uh, Sikhs because they don't fit. They're the others.
1: This really has not changed that much in terms of how much the Jews are hate are hated here in Quebec and in Montreal. And uh, it's it's really it's it's a very scary thing because we're supposedly living in it. you know everybody was saying that Quebec and Montreal are two very inclusive places. They're not. Uh, and they're not. They're far from it. There's other places in Canada that are way more inclusive. And Montreal and Quebec is not one of them. It's a, uh, Montreal is a very hatred city, despite it being cosmopolitan. Uh, and there's two strikes against both the English-speaking people and the, Jew- and, and the and people that are on the Jewish faith. And that's the problem. This is Montreal. This is Montreal, folks. So I just want you to know that, no, do not tr- do not turn off your radios oh, wait, or television Sheldon, is, sets.
0: Is Toronto, any be- is, is Toronto any better? No.
1: Toronto is different. I mean, it's they don't better. have to worry about language. But any look, any major city you are going to have a problem. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say Montreal is the only city that's going to have a problem. The unfortunate thing is Montreal in this province has two strikes versus one strike of most other cities. Because the other cities don't have legislation whereby you cannot wear... Religious symbols. They do not have legislation forcing French or another language down our throats while this province does. But the other cities, yes, they do have their problem. There is a lot of hatred. Jewish people that are being hated. Blacks are being hated. Puerto Ricans are being hated. I have
0: to remind you, Sheldon, that, uh, that in the last, uh, let's say, 30 or 40 years, all the haters came from either Toronto or from, uh, from Winnipeg and from Halifax. Remember, the Winnipeg and Halifax had two of the Holocaust deniers that were teaching in high schools? Yeah, um, yeah. And Toronto had the National Front, which was the uh, white supremacist group that was mm-hmm. run out of Toronto. Ernest Zundel lived in Toronto, remember?
1: That's right, yep. yeah.
0: So, uh, hatred's not, not uh, exclusive to Montreal.
1: No, no, but again, Montreal has a second strike of hatred. Or actually a third strike of hatred, because w- the second one being language and the third being religious symbols. So yeah, that's all of Quebec. Strikes. That's not only Montreal, it's all of Quebec. Yeah, yeah but exactly. That's what I'm saying. But Montreal, un- unfortunately, is in Quebec yeah, and that's and that, and that's and that's a very bad situation that Montreal now has to have three strikes because it's in the province of Quebec that does not want anybody to wear religious symbols, that does not want people to freely be able to express English and or receive English language services. So that, like I said, there's three strikes in Quebec and in Montreal.
0: 1-877-669-1292 is the number to get involved in the conversation. The number to call in one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. Um so Sheldon, uh ha, ha, you so so you're calling for the Jewish Defense League to move to Montreal. This is what I'm hearing from you, and yes. uh, I, I agree with you. I think I think it's time for the Jewish Defense League to come to Montreal, and maybe next week we'll get um Mayor Weinstein on the show we'll we'll ask him about that. um now, um look the, the question though I have is, if they did come to Montreal, what kind of kickback do you think they'd be from the uh, from the organized Jewish community?
1: Well, it, the Jewish Defense League was never afraid of anybody. So I, I didn't say they would be and, afraid. I'm just asking what yeah. kind
0: of kickback do you think they'd be? I don't think well, they would be will, afraid. There will be, be,
1: there, there will be some pushback from the Jewish community. There's no doubt about it because they did not want to have the Jewish Defense League in on the, on, the, you know, on the first place. If you also think that the elderly people that were walking around were not safe, and this was going back, what did you say, about 25, 30 years ago? Yeah. You know, it was, and, and, uh, and then uh, your friend not being able to do that for the fear of deportation. This is another thing, too, which you're telling me also. I thought Canada was supposed to be a very democratic country. This sounds like totalitarianism at its finest. To get the RCMP involved, this is not, this is not a terrorist organization. It's an orga- organization to protect the Jewish community. This is not an organization that's going to throw bombs, or have suicide bombers, or use kids as shields, and then claim that the other side is, you know, uh, go to the United Nations and say how ridiculous the other side is because they're bombing our children. This is a this is a defense league, and this is an organization that's strictly there to protect the rights of the Jewish community to be able to walk on our streets. To wear our symbols and to be proud to be Jewish people. That's uh, so. That's why. I mean, I know years ago, and and like you, you like you said, I never thought I would hear myself saying, "We we will need the Jewish Defense League in Montreal." I never thought in a million years I would ever say that. But because of the situation, and you know, and I'm also open-minded, because if no other organization is going to protect the Jewish people then what choice do we have? If these other organizations were to step up at the plate, then I would say, yes, then we don't need the Jewish Defense League. But nobody's doing anything. And just to say for this, for the sake of staying in your house, this is like what happened years ago when Jewish people had to go into dungeons or, or people had to have secret passages for the Jewish people to hide for fear of them, be, for them being caught and killed. This is bringing back history all over again. What happened about people being proud to be jewish i'm proud to be jewish i've
0: always been proud I've never i wish, been ashamed I wish about... more people were proud to be jewish i really
1: do yeah yeah and the thing is if we have to hear advice like hide our yarmulkes hide our kippas hide our mezuzahs hide the star of david what what that that's not protecting us that's making us be scared that's making us scared that's making us not feel that we should be entitled to walk the streets proud. But there's a difference of feeling proud to be Jewish people and to take the religion and to do violent act against somebody who's not Jewish. And that's one thing the Jewish community never did. Israel never did. But other countries have done it. And, and then if this is the advice that people are telling us to hide the mezizah, hide the keeper, hide any any Jewish Related symbols and, and 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 stay in our house. What type of advice is that? If and and terrible, the Jewish Defense advice. League, the That's Jewish Defense League is going to go out and saying, no, 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 no. This is simply not. This will not do. People have to go out and be proud of who they are. Be proud of their tradition, the way that they were raised up. Be proud of being Jewish. Not ashamed to hang their heads to hat to hold their heads up high proud in unison. That's what it's all about. And if that's takes... The, and if it's only the Jewish Defense League that's going to do it, then let them do it, and let them stand proud, and let the Jewish people to be able to go out and take a walk, and not having to be afraid that they're going to be attacked.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, it took almost 10 years, but I finally converted Sheldon to being a right-winger. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, it's
1: not the... You know what? It's not even being a right-winger, Howie, or left-winger, No, it's whatever. just being a pragmatist. That's really... That's it's, totally it's what it just, is. Yeah, it's, it's just, just pragmatism. being... It's just yeah. being the way it is. And that's, that's one thing I am. Yeah. I'll, you know, I mean, if it's something that's going to protect the Jewish community, protect our health and well-being of ourselves and our family, you know, I, 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 I'm common sense and I call a spade a spade. That's the way that's the way I operate. You know that. Sheldon, uh, have you ever been
0: afraid to be Jewish in Montreal? Have you ever been afraid to show your Jewishness? I've never been
1: afraid to show my Jewishness. You, I mean, you worked in commercial, I, I, you worked in mean, commercial
0: radio for uh, for what, 40 years? And um, and the question is, though, uh, in commercial radio, I, I had a couple of run-ins with some uh, hosts of commercial radio because I wear a yarmulke. You don't wear a yarmulke, but I wear a yarmulke. So I had a couple of run-ins with some hosts and some people working in commercial radio. Did you ever experience any problems because you were Jewish?
1: No, except there was one listener that kept calling uh, a bunch of us, um, and they, they finally arrested him after so many years. Oh, I remember that guy. And yeah. uh, he would just... Uh, go on, and uh, and no matter what, whether or not he was uh, on the air, which he would be deleted anyway, or dumped, um, or just completely dismissed by callers, but there would be a person randomly calling, threatening to come down. I remember. I remember that. And that guy got arrested. Yeah, I called called the police a couple
0: of times on that guy.
1: And I've never had any incidents whereby from my staff, from the staff that I worked with, uh, commercial radio, that... uh, said anything bad about me being Jewish. So, or knocked me down for being Jewish or made fun of me for being Jewish. And and you got to remember too, Melanie King, who used to work at CJD, was a very proud Jewish person. Yeah. And the thing was, if, so, if, so if, was if she Scher- ever... So she, was Tommy Schurmecker. Yeah, and Tommy and sure. So like when those two were around, I can assure you there wouldn't be a word said They wouldn't be a word said because they have a lot of clout they have a lot of influence so there's no there there's no there's no doubt about it but you know what again you know you can't prevent people from let's say discussing it in their own dinner table in their own family they could discuss whatever the heck they want but it's one thing when you go on social media or when you see somebody that's not your religion or not your skin color and purposely inciting racial slurs or physical attacks on a person because they're not like you, that's where it stops. And that's when it gets to be everybody else's business.
0: So you think it's right for people to butt in when they see something happening to somebody else?
1: Well, of course, it's always the case that people have to have to do what they have to do the right thing. They can't just stand and be silent. They cannot just stand around and say, well, I'm going to stay in my house because I'm scared to be a Jew. You can't do that. Well, many people are
0: doing that you, now. Yeah, there, are, there are so many that. people doing that. And you know what? Kids going that scaring to when people students going to Concordia, that. Sheldon. Students going to Concordia for the last at least two decades have hidden every sign of their Judaism. You have the odd brave student who will wear a yarmulke or who who will uh, who, who'll admit that they're Jewish in public at Concordia. But at Concordia University in the heart of Montreal, Jews have been hiding their identity for years. And I'll tell you, just about three or four years ago, five years ago maybe now, uh, I was accosted at Concordia for wearing a yarmulke. And uh, and I'm not the only one to have been accosted. I'm the most public one to have been accosted because I took it uh, to national media. Uh, I made a big deal out of it. But, uh, but I'm not the only one to have been accosted. I know that I got hundreds of letters. I mean, forget about the trolls that we're posting on all these articles online saying, oh, he's just making the story up. But I got hundreds of letters of kids sending me, Concordia kids sending me, uh, emails hundreds of them telling me how how they felt that um that they couldn't express their jewishness on campus uh, it's a shame and, and it is a it is a shame it's a shame that an institution would allow that to happen it's a shame that
1: diverse, university is supposed to be about freedom of expression uh and and freedom to be your own pers- uh, person not to go and 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 start riots or start threatening people because they're wearing a kippah. Like that's, that's, you know, that's not what university is all about. I mean, I went to McGill. Yeah. I never had a problem in McGill. I mean, yes, I don't wear a kippah. Fine. But people knew, look, I I even had a a teacher, a, a, a Lebanese teacher in human resources. She knew I was Jewish because I... I took uh, a shut a young kipper off uh, from the university and I, and I sent her a note obviously cause I was going to be away, and she wished me a, she, you know, she wished me an easy fast and she wished me a healthy and happy new it's year very to my nice family, whatever. And she was the head of human resources. And you know, it, like I was never, I was never, I was never threatened in the university. I was able to walk around and I was like, I never had any issues. I never had any issues walking in Montreal uh taking a bus i mean all i remember was i was seeing and i saw this firsthand when i was coming back from just for laughs and i was coming back where i used to live with my ex-girlfriend going back many years ago and i took the the bus and i got off and i started walking and as i started walking there was a person that was wearing a kippa. i was not with the person uh but he got off at the same uh stop and he and i were talking on the bus and he was wearing a keep, a very proud Jewish uh, Jewish person. He was wearing them as, as a Star David, uh, the, the keep, like, very, very proud. The bus drops me off. I start walking home, and I, I say goodbye to him, and, you know, I wish him all the best. I started walking home, and he walked he walked further down on, on Coast St. Catherine another block or two. And as I, w- I was turning my head, and I was almost away, I was almost like out of sight with him, I heard screaming, cars honking. Death to you, you Jewish person. Hmm. And I wanted to come back. And by the time I came back, the car was gone. And I'm looking at this. I'm going, oh, my God, like this happened. I I was witness to it. Um, I didn't I I don't think anything happened to him because I didn't see him. But there was no thank God there were no signs of blood or any any other uh, thing that. But, you know, but I did see on the tail end of the car driving off. The Palestinian flag, right. Now another thing too. Speaking of university, where I used to go in McGill. Uh, for people that are in Montreal, I mean the people who live outside of Montreal won't know, but uh, in in Montreal, right near McGill University, near Molson Stadium, on the corner of Park and Pine, there is an apartment complex, and on the side has a huge fa- uh, Palestinian flag, and it's marked Free Palestine. Yeah. Just, and uh, that's just, been, on, the, that's just, just on the foot of Mount years. Royal, just on the foot around Mount Royal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, you've you seen it, I imagine. Yeah. I, you, uh, okay. Uh, there has never been any rallies that I've seen in front of it because I used to go by there all the time going to university. There's never been any scene. There's always was that symbol. And I would be frightened because then I was also wondering, what would that mean if people that were walking wearing keepas. Wearing and, and I'm not saying for them not to walk wearing keepers. That's not what I'm saying. What would happen to them though if they were to walk by and people that were living in that building would see that? That's a good question. And and that, and Excellent you know when question. I when I when I when I ponder that question when I ask myself that question, Howie, I shouldn't even have to ask that question in my own city. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And, right. and, and that's what scares me, and that's what makes me very, very frightened. And that's why, that's why I always said that now, like years ago, seven years ago, when I was on True Talk Radio first with you, I would have never thought in a million years. When you had Mr. Weinstein on, Mayor Weinstein, I would have never thought in a million years to ever think of having the Jewish Defense League. I would never. But now, imagine
0: less than a decade later, and now, now we, you're saying, and
1: yeah. we don't have a choice. It's not. It's not. We really and I can imagine when we if if all being well, we do get Mayor Weinstein on, I can only imagine how many Jewish people in Montreal are probably writing to him saying we would really like to have a head like a a regional headquarters of the Jewish Defense League because we need it badly.
0: I got a uh, message on Facebook from Paul saying, good evening, guys. How are things? I'm Catholic and I wear a cross on a chain around my neck. Everyone should feel free to wear whatever religious symbols they uh, they wish wherever they are. Paul, I That's agree with you. Right. You're 100 percent right. Uh, yeah. If we if we if we pretend to live in a free and democratic society, then we should be able to uh, express our religious beliefs freely and democratically. This should not be. Uh, it should not be an issue. Not, should, we should live in freedom. Freedom of religion is guaranteed in our Canadian and Quebec Charter of Rights, and and this should be a Gary. It should be a given. It shouldn't be a um, it shouldn't be a, 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 a favor given to us. It shouldn't be a, a privilege. It's a right. And there's a difference between a right and a privilege. Mm-hmm. And so freedom of religion is a right, and we should be, have the right to express ourselves religiously. But when you have institutions like Concordia, and I'm picking on Concordia for, uh, for various reasons. Uh, I, could pick on, um, I could pick on Rutgers University, too, because Rutgers has the same problem. Ryerson in, uh, in, in Ontario. Uh, Toronto. Yep. the yep. jewish the jewish student union at ryerson hillo the jewish student union at ryerson uh, cannot have any events outside of their office for the fear of being attacked or being shouted down or being uh, or being shut down Good so happens. for the last for the last 6 7 years ryerson has only had has only had jewish activities in in the office of the local hillo which is which is outrageous if you ask me a university a center of higher learning I it's, wonder if McGill it's, it's, it's has a, it's activities a, it's outrageous.
1: outside. Do you know if McGill has activity? Hillel has activities outside.
0: I I don't know. I just I just happen to know about Ryerson because I got a letter uh, from people telling me that Ryerson has this problem.
1: And obviously, Concordia doesn't have a Hillel, or do they?
0: They have a Hillel, yeah. Okay. And uh, the, uh, the I, I'm not sure if Hillel does stuff um, uh, does stuff outside of their office or outside of their their immediate bubble. Uh, I'm not sure. But, but it's sad that people can't express themselves publicly. I mean, we're supposed yeah. to live in a multicultural country, right, where, where we're supposed to celebrate everybody's culture, yet everybody except for the Jews. That's, that seems to be the way it works. And that's, uh, that's really sad because every time I look at anything happening in our country, anything I, time I look at, anything happening in our city, it seems to me that it's anyone, anyone could do anything they want except for the Jews.
1: And, and the Jewish people are simply just defending themselves. They're not going on the offense to go into somebody's house or to to destroy a family that's not Jewish. I don't know. There, they're there, just defending themselves. There are hundreds, and, they're, and they're getting all the flack from all the media. There are hundreds and hundreds of
0: protests for various different reasons uh, throughout Montreal uh, on a continuous basis all year round. But whenever there's a protest or a demonstration, it's not even a protest, whenever there's a demonstration or expression of love for Israel suddenly there's a, this huge media presence and, uh, and there's huge counter-protesters and there's huge... I mean, look, you don't like Israel, that's fine. I have no problem. You want to protest against Israel, I have no problem with that either. You want to protest at a pro-Israel rally, you want to protest against Israel, I really have no problem with that either because everyone has the right to express their opinion. But you do not have the right. You do not have the right to disrupt the pro-Israel rally. You do not have the right to attack the people who are coming to the pro-Israel rally, you don't have the right to initiate, initiate violence against people at a pro-Israel rally. You have, don't have that right. That's not the right that you have. You want to stand with your signs, your placards, your flags, and yell that Israel's an apartheid state or whatever made-up charges you have against Israel? That's fine. You could do that. You have the right to do that because you have the right of expression. And I respect your right to be able to do that. I may disagree with you, but I respect the right that you have to do that. But you do not have the right to physically assault people. You do not have the right to to disrupt somebody else's right of assembly and somebody else's right of expression. You want to express your opinion? Go ahead. You want to argue with people at the rally? You know, As they're walking away, you want to have arguments with them? Go ahead. Discussion is always good, regardless of how loud or how abrasive it is. Discussion is always good of issues. But you do not have the right to get violent. You don't have the right to attack people based on their ethnicity. You don't have the right to attack people based on their political beliefs. You don't have the right to attack, I mean, when I say attack, I mean physically attack people uh, based on anything. You have no right to physically attack people. And once you get violent and you physically attack people, not only are you uh, violating that person's human rights, violating that person's right and freedom of expression, violating that person's right and freedom of religion, but you're negating your own argument. Then suddenly
1: well, I've, I've always said too, Howie, that it, when you any kind of protests, as long as it's peaceful and, and like you said, you don't have to agree on the for the other side, but be respectful if everybody should have the right to express their views respectfully without violence. But how often and this is where media always capitalizes. God bless our media. That five or ten percent of the splinter groups that do the violence, because also look, you even told me when you once had, uh, I think on the footsteps of McGill or something, when there was an Israeli and Palestinian uh, demonstration, you actually went over to the to the leader of the uh, of, of the Palestinian uh, protest, and you actually were trying to engage in peaceful. Uh, you know, I did more than that, dialogue. Sheldon.
0: I brought him onto my show.
1: Yeah, and you brought him. Okay, we had we had a conversation on the radio. Yeah, and the thing is, you see, that's that's great that you're able to do that. But when somebody starts throwing the first rock or starts, you know, uh, going after physically and uh, you know endangering a person's health and safety. That's a a horse of a different color that has to be stopped in any demonstration anywhere around the world. Demonstrations are part of the the fabric of of the democratic freedom of the DNA. That's where it stops in terms of respectful, uh, opposite points of view, but not physical and not the eradication of the other side. And that's the biggest problem that we have. And now we took, you know, it's always the case: they take a situation and they amplify it all over the world. And then right away, if a person is wearing a kippa, a Star David, or mezuzah, right away they go after them. They're they were they're just walking down the street, minding their business, proud to be who they are. They're not brainwashing anybody. They're not giving lectures or 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 attempting to convert somebody to come on to onto their side they just want to be left alone in peace with their families with themselves and to be able to march or to be able to walk proudly to be to be Jewish to express being proud of being Jewish and now people are telling uh People in the Jewish faith. No, you can't be proud. You can't walk out with a with a kippah or mezuzah or a Star David because you're going to get attacked.
0: It's scary. It's scary, and it's there's sad. something wrong. Yeah, there's here. something seriously wrong. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to get in on a conversation. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. There is something definitely wrong there, Sheldon. Uh, we we like I said we, we we claim to live in a multicultural society. We claim to live in a, a land that accepts people. We want immigrants. We want want various kinds of people to come to, to our land. And then we have all this hatred. Where do you think this hatred comes from? Why why do you do you think it's imported hatred or do you think it's homegrown hatred?
1: Um, I th- I think it's basically brainwashing because whether or not but who's doing the brainwashing. Well, the thing is, it's 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 they use history to brainwash, who? and they use who history uses, of violence. Who
0: who uses history? Don't play the pronoun game with me. Be specific. Who are we talking about?
1: Well, you know, uh, uh, like let's say for the Palestinians or people that that have hated Jews for many, 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 many years. Okay. And kids are kids are being brought up from their parents, and their parents are brainwashing their kids. Yes, you should strap a grenade on and walk into a synagogue and blow up, or take a gun and kill as many Jewish people as you possibly can, that's the brainwash. So whether or not it's here in the United States, back in the Middle East, where, wherever, it's the home, it's, it's, it's all brainwashing, it's based on history, and the thing is, people have to break the cycle and finally say, you know what, war affects each and every every person. If a person's child, whether or not they're Palestinian or or a Jewish child, and a child is an innocent human being when they're first born, and they get killed, that has to stop. That has to stop. The hatred has to stop. And then people have to realize, if it, God forbid it's their kid, they're going to think twice, and then they're going to say, hey, you know what? This has to stop. Does it have to take a death of a person's child Close to them to say, "Hey, this has to stop."
0: Well, rather Sheldon, than you go know that, back,
1: go back in the history books and saying Jews are these
0: Sheldon, people. You know that the majority of people, the majority of people, don't get a car alarm or don't get a home alarm until they are robbed. So sometimes yeah, it yeah, takes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sometimes it takes a calamity in order for people to learn the lesson and uh, and do something about it. And it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate that people have to die or people have to get maimed or hurt or or things have to get stolen in order for people to take action and uh, and and protect themselves.
1: But you know what really myth- mystifies me? You see it every day. You see you see there's always fighting every day no matter no uh, matter which part of the world. There's wars and innocent people all the time are getting killed. And you see the families distraught, you see the the unbelievable agony of pain as a parent is holding their child that's dead. And and it's like Even, God forbid, it's not your child, and hopefully it never will ever be your child. But nevertheless, you see this all the time in the media. And, you you know, this could very easily be your child. Don't you want this to stop as a parent? Don't even think about a religion. Think about yourself as a parent, a sibling. A human being. A human being. It's a human life is what I'm talking about. It is a human life. And life is fragile on the get-go. It's a, you have one shot in life. After your life has ended, that's it. You don't keep coming back. You don't keep getting resurrected. You don't keep coming back. You're dead, you're dead. And you could get people that are 15, 25 years old that could be killed. When is this going to stop? People have to start saying, you know what? They see it all the time. And it's obviously when, when people are saying, oh, it's not going to happen to me, whatever. It could be somebody close to them. It's just, it's, it's a human being. Just picture a parent holding their child. Imagine if it was your child holding the child in your hand, not even a year old, a, a practical fetus just being born. And you have to hold a dead child, a dead fetus in your hand. Just think about that. Does it really pay to hate another religion? Does it really pay to hate somebody who's not like you? Really, I, I never thought it did. I never thought
0: it paid. I, uh, I'm one of the guys who always said we have to we have to call it what it really is. Like you know, we've we've lived under this fallacy for years that the, uh, the war between the Israelis and the Arabs is a land war, and this has been a fallacy. It's been a propaganda tool that's been used for years to describe the war between Israel and the Arabs, or Arabs and Israel, or whichever way you want to look at it. The truth of the matter is that it is not a land war at all. It's a religious war. That's the truth of the matter. There is no land war going on there. Nobody cares about the land. Well, the Israelis care about the land, but the Arabs don't care about the land. It's not about the land. It's about the Jews being on the land. And once we realize that and once we recognize the fact that it's not about, you know, does Israel give up another five feet of Gaza, of, uh, of, of the Golan Heights? Does Israel give up another five feet of Judea or Samaria? Uh, does give, uh, Israel give up the you know the West Bank or Jerusalem? It doesn't. Uh, once we realize that, that's not what it's about. And once we start recognizing that it's more about religion and the, and the Muslims not wanting the Jews in Muslim land and what they consider Muslim land, and the Jews saying, hey, we're the indigenous people of this land, we have the right to be here. Uh, Once we realize that it's not a land war, it's a religious war, because what gives the Jews the right to be there is their religion. The Torah gives the Jews the right to be there. So if the Jews claim to the land is religious and the Muslim claim to the land is religious, then we're not talking about a land war anymore. Now we're talking about a religious war. Uh And religious Uh wars are a lot harder to deal with than land wars. If I encroach on your border and your country's border, and you say, hey, you encroached on our border, you took over part of our land, we'd like that part of land back, we're going to go to war. I could say, okay, here, take your land back and back off your land, and we don't go to war. If this was a land war between the Israelis and the Palestinians, um, this war would have been over 50 years ago. There have been at least 70 agreements, land agreements, land offers, or, or, or other kind of negotiations for land, uh, since the founding of the state of Israel, and each time, each time, the Arabs have backed off because every single one of these negotiations was that a Jewish state has to exist there. It had nothing to do with the land. If it had to do with the land, in 2000, when uh, when when the Palestine, when when Yasser Arafat was offered 98 uh, percent of all the land that they claimed to be Palestine plus Jerusalem as their capital and walked away when Israel said, but the only thing we want to exchange is for you to recognize whatever's left of Israel as the, uh, as the Jewish homeland. And he walked away. He never answered. Uh, that proves right there that this is not a land war. Mm-hmm. If this was a land war, when Israel moved out of Gaza in 2005 and took every man, woman, child, every body, Every, uh, every animal, every, every, every scrap of, of human existence that Jews ever existed there out of Gaza, then the Gazans and the Palestinians who, who took over Gaza could have used Gaza to create their state of Palestine, at least a provisional state, and shown that they could live in peace and try to negotiate for some more land. This is something they could have done, but instead they started launching missiles and created a terror state and started launching missiles out of there to destroy the rest of Israel.
1: Mm-hmm. If this was a land war,
0: then uh, then then we wouldn't hear we wouldn't hear the chanting of uh, of Palestine will be free from sea to sea cuz that's the entire state of Israel. We wouldn't see pendants that say Palestine aren't that are the exact map of Israel. This does not prove that the, you know th- this does not this does not uh, give any indication that there's any room for negotiation for a Jewish state there. And the reason they can't have a Jewish state there is because the Koran tells them quite clearly that any land that was run by an Islamic caliphate is Islamic land forever. And any, any, uh, any government that runs that land after conquering Islam, any government that runs that land is an infidel and must be destroyed which is why when ISIS first came around, and remember they, were, uh, they wanted to create an Islamic caliphate right across the Middle East mm-hmm. and Spain. Why Spain? Because Spain was part of an Islamic caliphate you know, 500 years ago. And because Spain was part of an Islamic caliphate 500 years ago, it's Islamic land forever in their mind. <laughs> so as long as it is a religious war and not a land war, it can never be solved. It's simple as that. So there will always be war there. There's always going to be strife there. There's always going to be uh, there's always going to be uh, problems there. And one more proof that it's a religious war instead of a land war. Uh, I've never heard of a land war where the people of one side and the people of the other side are fighting in the land, and then people who somehow share the same religion as the people living in that land are beaten up and, and killed uh, five thousand, six thousand miles away. I can't think uh-huh. of any other example. Uh-huh where that's ever happened. If Poland and Russia get into a war, Russians aren't beating up Polacks in the middle of uh, Manhattan. It's not happening. Yeah. But Israel and the Arabs get into a war, and, and and Jews are being beaten up. Whether they're Israeli Jews or not, they're being beaten up in middle of Manhattan. So you explain this to me, Sheldon. I don't know.
1: I can't explain it. I mean, obviously, you, you just hit the nail right on the head it's uh, this this really honestly for for everybody's sake uh you know i've always wanted to be pro peace and for people to respect one another but obviously like you said it's a religious war and nobody's ever going to respect the other side because of, of it being a religious war and and then people are taking that and they're beating jews in 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 in, in cities all across The world, all around the world,
0: Uh, it's crazy, but it's true. That's 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 the that's the gist of it, really. So if you take it and break it down to the bare bones, that's really what's going on. It's the fact that it's a religious war. It's a religious war: Islam against Judaism. It's not Palestinians against Israelis. It's not uh, it's not Muslims against Israelis. It's Muslims against Jews. And when it becomes Muslims against Jews, it becomes very dangerous. Historically, we've seen this and now we're starting to see it again, it becomes very dangerous for Jews around the world. Because once the radical Islamic head rises up and starts fighting the infidel, uh, the infidel uh, it keeps fighting until, until death. And so, um, and so we saw it happen in Europe. We saw it happen in Germany. and Then we saw it happen in France. And then we saw it happen in England. And they're still fighting the Islamic radicals there. And now it's rising up in Canada and the United States, and we're going to have the same problem that they had in, uh, in Europe with, with Islamic infidel, with Islamic extremists attacking innocent people to try to make some kind of religious political point. And it's a scary proposition, and, um, and this is why I'm saying, and I go back to the point I made at the beginning of the show, that we must, we must learn to defend ourselves because this isn't getting better. It's only going to get worse. As time goes on, this is going to get worse and worse if we can't defend ourselves, and we're not willing to get up and move to Israel, uh, then we have to be able to defend ourselves. Simple as that.
1: Yeah, and uh, I hope that you can be able to get Meyer Weinstein on it, and uh, hopefully uh, also. I, I'm curious to find out again if a lot of Montrealers reached out to him and said, "and said we really want you here." I'm sure we they have. really want you here. I'm sure he's probably getting calls and 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 messages of all kinds from. People in Montreal, and uh, this, has to be, this has to be dealt with sooner rather than later. one
0: is the number to call to get in on the conversation. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. He is Sheldon Eric Freed. He is my, <laughs> uh, my, my long-suffering producer, and I like to call him that. And, uh, and it was his birthday last week. And we weren't on last week, so we didn't get to wish him an on-air happy birthday. So I want to do that now. Thank so, you. Happy birthday, Sheldon. It is Thank good you, to sir. know that you lived an extra year and that uh, that you have another one coming up. And that, um, that someone your age could still celebrate birthdays and still be
1: happy. I'm, I'm, I'm... It, it, it's amazing. eh? It's really yeah. amazing. And, it's you know, my significant other brought me a beautiful, beautiful uh, present was a picture that uh, that we took uh, on our phones uh, when she and I were in the Caribbean just before the pandemic hit. and she had it blown up and she actually uh, she actually uh, brought it to me last week on my birthday and we and I had it hung up and it's, uh, it's really amazing. yeah, it was really it was really quite something. So thank you for all the birthday wishes. I had plenty of birthday wishes on Facebook, so thank you so much and it was really nice. it's as long as everybody's healthy. Hopefully next year I'll be able to celebrate my birthday somewhere else. Hey, by the way, Howie. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. We are
0: now free people. Oh, that's true. I forgot to mention it. We are not under house arrest anymore. Yep. We're we're free. Outdoor restu- uh, outdoor
1: terraces are now open in the Greater Montreal area.
0: Sheldon, did you uh, did you take off your, uh, your your your
1: ankle bracelet? Yeah, I took it off. <laughs> I took it off on the twenty eighth of May. Yes, I did. And it didn't start beeping. <laughs> No, 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 no. That's very good. I'm really happy. something. The only jurisdiction in North America that had a curfew.
0: Yeah. If, and if, not, if
1: not around the world. And like it lasted
0: a, forever, really. It was yeah. Really forever from January.
1: Well, yeah, it was. Uh, when
0: did the curfew st- uh, start? Like January of- 9th or something. Like right at the beginning of January.
1: Oh, like it was just, and it was like right in the middle of winter, like right in winter, which the days were short enough, and you just feel like you couldn't go out, you were like a bear, you were a hibernating bear, that's uh, that's exactly how I felt, a hibernating bear. Do
0: you feel any differently now, Sheldon? <laughs> like, how often do you go out after 8 o'clock, really? Honestly. Well, no, I, Man, I, your I, age, I, how often do you go out after 8 o'clock?
1: Well, you know what? I used to get together with friends, so we used to go out. I mean, look at us during Just for Last. We used to we used to get together. Sometimes we wouldn't get home till three, four, five o'clock in the morning. Right. You know. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's not going to be the case in terms of festivals this year, or at least to the festivals that you and I are used to uh, going. And um, I, you know, it's it's just very very strange that. Now about sixty to sixty-five percent of the population has received its first vaccination. Um, I'm hoping that more and more people get their 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 vaccine and the second vaccine. And hopefully, and you know what, it's amazing. The last couple of days I've been taking walks in because I'm between two parks, nestled between two parks. Yeah, and it's amazing. Of even since the curfew broke, and even though a lot of the parents that have young young kids, they're not going to go out late anyway. But it's just amazing when you start. Seeing the people in a much happier mood, I agree. And you and you see that the kids are playing and they're they're happy and they're giggling and the, the parents are the parents are close are close to the kids and they're giving them a hug and everything and they're walking hand in hand with the kids. And Have you
0: found yourself that's... happier since the curfew went bye bye on Friday? I mean, it's only a couple of days, but do you feel happier?
1: Well, I mean, I find that first of all, generally, I just find that. Yeah, I am happier because I never thought there should have been a curfew in the first place. Right. Because like like you said, and how often you and, and, you and I have talked about and agreed on it, saying the curfew doesn't show a time that, oh, it's a curfew. Okay, let's COVID-19, let's go back to your place of origin, and then we'll strike. First thing at 5.01 in the morning, the next day... We'll strike when the iron is hot. I mean, this is ridiculous. Yeah,
0: Kobe doesn't stand
1: on the corner going, "Uh, uh, uh, look at
0: the time. Oh no, 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 (laughs) no."
1: I mean, I, I mean, I don't see them wearing an Apple Watch anytime soon or a smart watch of any kind. So it's like, you know, I the whole thing was so ridiculous. Yeah, and it was like we didn't, we never needed it, and that wasn't, that was never the case. Look. They opened up the parks and there were a bunch of people that were idiots that all got together and thousands and thousands of people not wearing masks. That's not going to make anything go away. You know, you you, you want to get together, go to a park, get your distances. Look, hopefully soon we'll, we won't, we'll all be able to not wear masks anymore. Right. But it's also the behavior of people, too. If people want to be smart and have the proper mindset, then we can get through this, and people are going to be stupid.
0: But Sheldon, you got to admit, it's also about government control and government... Well, sure, it's going.
1: about government control, and I was never for government control. So uh, anymore. This, I, I wasn't for this curfew. This, was, whole, this know, whole
0: idea of, uh, uh, of keeping us in the red zone and then moving us to yellow and then orange and then green, that's all about government control.
1: And if you also notice that the rest of the province where we reside are in the orange zone, but Montreal and Laval... And parts of the eastern townships are still in the red zone. And there's because... no reason
0: for that. There's only two, three hundred odd cases in the entire province. So yeah. There's really no reason for that. They're just doing it because they want to control us.
1: Well, they also they're also doing it because the CAC never likes Montreal. Right. The CAC hates Montreal because they because Montreal ninety nine point nine percent of them did not elect the CAC government.
0: Right. So they're punishing. so they're taking it out on us. That's they're, why they're, they're just taking punishing the language us. bill, That's bill all
1: on out, out on us and and now the, the and now because it's going to be in the red zone and they're eventually going to have to take it off because of the amount of pressure that they're going to be under by the people that are going to lose their jobs and the tourism in, industry. So
0: well, you know the um. The idea that uh, after the second vaccination that you're not free to go back to the way life was beforehand seems a little odd to me. If you still have the risk of uh, passing it on or getting it after the second vaccination, then uh, why are we doing these vaccinations at all? So, I mean, it's one or the other. You can't have it both ways. So -hmm. the government has to be able to let go a little bit of the power that we gave them because we gave up our civil liberties and gave them the right to, uh, to, to control us. Um we have to be able to um, take that back.
1: <laughs> well, it's called the next election, folks. Don't yeah. elect this government. I mean Yeah, but what's, what's the
0: what's the alternative? There's no there's no alternative. There's no government, there's no other that's party. The problem. That's an alternative in Quebec.
1: That's the problem. There's nobody that's, to vote for. That's the problem for another day for another discussion because I could Talk to you about this until the cows come home. And that's what I've always said on my Facebook well, page. Well, Sheldon, we, really we have another 22 up...
0: minutes we could talk about this. There is nobody yeah. to vote for.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I, I even said when, when Dino Mazzoni was on with us and we were having this conversation about like, like O'Toole is for Bill 101, Trudeau want, wants, uh, want, is giving Quebec the green light to, to make provisions in the Canadian Constitution. What's going on? Who's defending us here? Nobody. Who's defending on us? Nobody. I don't know. I I really don't know who to vote for. I don't know who to vote for. And who are you going to vote for? I really don't know who to vote for. Who are you going to vote for for provincially? I don't know. Like, honestly, because first of all, provincially, if you want, the the Quebec's out there, the QS, the CAC and the Parti Quebecois are all for separation of Canada. They're all for so people are voting liberal. Why? Because that's the only thing the liberal liberals are promised they're not going to do is to separate from Canada. Yeah, but they're, but everything, but they're still but gonna, everything else. They're still
0: going to discriminate against the English, and they're still going to discriminate against exactly. against religion. So well,
1: they, well, the thing was they st- the, that started with the liberals in the first place. Right. Uh, the liberals started with with Bill with Bill twenty two. They started with with uh, inclusion. Uh, sorry, with uh, with. Uh, against bills with religious symbols. This all started with the liberal government, not with the other governments. Yeah. And so it's uh, like they're, they're, you know, so like, I don't know who to vote for. I really don't, there's no alternative to any kind of party that respects all sides equally. And there's not, nobody has the courage, not federal, provincial or civic politician in the city, province or country that has part of the expression, the balls to stand up, for us. So who do we vote for? We don't know who to vote for.
0: I don't know. I am kind of lost on this because uh, I, I look at the, uh, the, the options, Sheldon, and to me there it are no stinks. options. There, the, yep. there are no options. I have no one to vote for. Yep. There is nobody that I could say, I could say represents me in politics. Nope. Now, of course, people are going to tell me, hey, Howie, if there's nobody who represents you for politics, maybe you should run yourself. Uh, but, but that's not the solution here. Because I'd have to create my own party, and then I'd have to find like-minded people to join my party. It's it's, it's an uphill battle, and then trying to get elected as a party with like-minded people
1: would be Plus almost, also to get the funding and, and to be able to funding, get the money, the donations be, to come it would, in. It would be almost impossible. And also you're putting your whole life, your whole private life, on display.
0: That's another story, yeah.
1: And as, as we've talked about, Dino, you and, and myself, that now... Instead of people having respect for you, and let's say they may not agree with your viewpoints that you have, they start attacking you. They start attacking your family. They start attacking everything personal is a personal assassination. Everything's on the table.
0: Yeah.
1: And I cannot, I would never be able to run with that. I mean, I
0: I could run with that, but I wouldn't want to put my family through it. I don't have. Well, that's the thing. I don't the have family. I don't have very many uh, skeletons in the closet. Everything I've ever done has been very public. I've been a public person since I'm 16 years old, mm-hmm. so uh, there's not very little that hasn't been exposed of stuff I do. But um, it's not even you now. Now they But now it's my family. me and my family, and I yeah. wouldn't want to put my family through it.
1: So, that's... like you know, where it used to be many, many years ago, that they would say, "Oh, you know." Uh, this person would vote for this. No, this is not where my party is. Vote for me and I'll I'll do that. So it leaves the other person's family out of it. And it's just debating the issues, the policies that the other candidate, the opposing candidate has on hand. And the debate should be respectful. Now everything's mudslinging. Even campaigns are mudslinging. I mean, it's it just as as a person that's well versed in the media, in the news and media, I'm absolutely appalled in our political systems in the political systems, not only here in the states and in other parts, too, where it's just dirty pull when governors are running against each other. It's right away attacking the family and right away attacking this and attacking that and not even the issues at it hand. It's personal attacks. So yeah. even if you I mean, even if you extent. have no skeletons in the closet anymore, and I don't have any skeletons in the closet, it's still my family, even though my family's not running, your family's not running. It would be you that would be running or let's say if I wanted to go in the political arena, it'd be me running. But then my family would be in the in the spotlight. And my family didn't sign up for it. Your family didn't sign up for it. You know what it's like to go in political life because you have you have done it. But now everything now it's 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 not even about you anymore. It's 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 everybody going after you and, and, and just tearing you down in the family and it's it's really it's it's a really it's disgusting as far as i'm concerned it's
0: not the way it's supposed to be no that's for sure
1: yeah definitely not the way it's
0: supposed to be uh you know you know politics was always uh, argue the issues and the person with the better argument the person with the uh with the better stand on whatever issues are concerning okay. the people uh wins the election or it's a popularity contest whoever's more popular wins
1: but, um, and you, and you see debates, Howie, and it's like it doesn't make a difference if if, let's say in the states you're de- you're you're you know you're a Democratic Republican. It's not even the case of that anymore. It's just the case that, you know, they're hammering this, they're hammering that. The other person's not even able to finish. It's it's like this, it's like slurring. Uh, it's like when when some when somebody's trying to introduce something in the House of Commons and somebody's trying to talk, and you hear Ooh, like, I, I mean. Uh, this is people that are that we're paying for in our taxpayer dollars is this how we're, is this supposed to represent our country and, and and is this the best we could do to elect these politicians and
0: you know what if kills this is the me cream the of if this is the cream of the crop we're in big trouble you know there's a uh, you're not kidding you're you know, not there, kidding there's there's a liberal guy named Amos he's a um, he's a uh, liberal member of parliament and about two months ago, he was photographed in the private liberal, in the oh. private parliamentary, the private parliamentary camera system. They were having an in-camera meeting, that wasn't public, and he was photographed uh, naked in the picture, right? And uh, just this past week, he was uh, he was caught urinating, while uh, while in a meeting, with his camera on. So I mean, this is the kind of people that are being elected to parliament. Yeah. Uh, you know, he keeps saying, oh, it was a mistake, it was a mistake. Okay, the first time it's a mistake. You walked in, he finished jogging, he didn't realize the camera was on, he changed in front of the camera. That could be a mistake. It probably wasn't, but okay, give the guy the benefit of the doubt, maybe it was a mistake. The second time? Yeah. That's not a mistake no. anymore.
1: No. And he's he's even said he's going to go for help because, I mean, it's... Yeah. it's that uh, isn't a mistake
0: anymore. That man is, a, uh, that man is an ex- exhibitionist. And yeah. so, um, and so this is what's being elected, Sheldon. It's not the cream of the crop being elected. No, and and that's the problem we have is that uh, that that we don't have the cream of the crop in politics anymore because the people who are the cream of the crop won't run for politics because yeah. they don't want their lives ripped apart by the media yeah. the, and by the uh, the opposition. old guard
1: is basically what people used to be as classy people going back years ago and running in the political spectrum like you said, they, they, they don't want to do it anymore. They, they, you know, they don't want to be, you know, they don't want to have their family in on the, on the whole whole situation. And it's, you know, it's like, if people are going to that kind of depravity and now of course with social media and like you said, the camera, the situation with the camera, when this, when this person, this liberal uh, person, you know, went naked or whatever the case is. I mean, let's, let's face it also, you know, that there is a camera, and you know you're going to change, well, either turn the damn camera off or change in another area where the camera is not on. I mean, I don't have to say this on a logical thing that you and I both know, especially that everybody's under public scrutiny all the time. I I could bet you that
0: the the member of parliament that is exposing himself on camera uh, does not live in a one-room bachelor apartment.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly. Thank you.
0: So if he lived in a one-room bachelor apartment, then maybe, you know, there was nowhere else for him to go to change, and yeah. and then he should have just made sure the camera was off.
1: I mean, I live in a studio apartment, okay? okay. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I only put my camera on when I'm ready to go on. Other than that, my camera is shut all the time. My camera's not even connected. Right. So if I come out of the shower, come out of the towel, nobody's going to see me except for myself. Makes sense. So and so not that know, anybody like, would want to like see you, Sheldon. Like you said, like you said, the person, smart Alec, the person that's the liberal, the, the, you know, the liberal or or in politics doesn't have a studio apartment, doesn't have an apartment. And even if he does have an apartment, he probably has a very big apartment. <laughs> Multiple apartment. rooms yeah exactly so you know what you know that the camera's on and you know social media and the thing is see and here's another thing with speaking of politicians our wonderful mayor god bless her oh mayor a mayor bike path yes okay yes and she decides that now that the curfew is finished and the terrace is open i'm gonna go and have a bite to eat and then the next thing you know She gets caught with a total of four people sitting at a table where the most that could be sat in in the present day circumstances of the law are two people. Uh And it's not her family. So it's not if it was her family, that's one thing. But she even admitted it was a team. There was a chef at the restaurant and there was her team. So her team is not her family. She might consider her work family, but they don't live with her. And the chef does not live with her. And she got caught because with the thing with technology and social media, they, they took pictures and bingo. And she had to do a press conference and she said, yeah, she, it was her mistake. You know, she would not have said that had she got caught. But she got caught All and right. that's what it is. And that's what happens. When and you she break expects rules. us, you and I, the two of us, us citizens of Montreal... That if we're going to go, we can't eat four people. Yeah. And look how many politicians on Christmas. They came back and they went away. They went out of town. And how many politicians got caught? One person, provincial, uh, one provincial liberal uh, counterpart got caught here in Quebec, coming back from Barbados. He refused to resign. The uh, finance minister in Ontario uh, resigned because Ford made him resign. Thankfully, Ford did make him resign. Yeah. And, you know, like these politicians, it's like, do as I say, but not say as I do.
0: Exactly. And that's uh, that's the problem. And there are tons of examples in the states that we don't have to get into. But there are tons of examples in the states yeah. of politicians that lock down their their populations. Uh, and then they go one state
1: over to uh, to eat. Yeah. Or to and, it's ev- and it's everywhere. It's yeah. everywhere. Yep. Uh, you know, it's everywhere, everywhere around the world that that that's exactly what they do It's like, so how do we take
0: these uh, COVID regulations seriously? When we know that politicians aren't taking them seriously?
1: Yeah. And then if you and I were to do it, we get fined. Yeah. And so be we be in jail. How could
0: we possibly take them seriously?
1: Well, that's well, I, I, I haven't taken politicians seriously. No, I'm talking about ages. the
0: regulations. Yeah, I well we that's the thing that, it's like you know that
1: the regulations. Yeah, I am I'm, I'm doing it I'm doing it for my own personal safety. Yeah. Not because of them, I'm doing it for my own personal safety and I'm vulnerable and uh, you know I'm doing whatever it is to keep myself safe to doing the logical thing. Right. Just like you're doing the logical thing to keep yourself and your family safe. Right. Not to go out and start being in a mass of thousands of people not wearing a mask.
0: Well, after I'm vaccinated two times, then I'll have no problem doing that.
1: Yeah, but that's after you're vaccinated twice, and even that when when I'm go- and the thing is like the herd humidity. Uh, uh, sorry, the herd immunity only counts when the majority of the people get vaccinated. I'm not
0: worried about herd immunity. I'm not worried about herd. You. <laughs> I said that too. You you got that? You got me there, Sheldon. <laughs> I'm not worried about herb herb herb. <sighs> I'm not worried about herb either, okay? I'm not worried about herd immunity. Uh, if I'm vaccinated <laughs> twice, then my immunity is about uh, 96%, 97%. And as long okay. as I'm immune, I don't care. Yeah.
1: Uh, but I mean, I hurt. got my second vaccine. and uh, But, you know, here's another thing what's going to happen, too. Like, uh, we were discussing this off air, um, that now here, provincially, I don't know about the other parts of Canada or, or, state, or around the world, once you get the two shots, I mean, you got you got an email apparently when you got your first shot. Yeah. I got my, because I got it in the building where I live in, I got both of my vaccines, and I, after the second vaccine, which I happen to have gotten on my birthday, happy birthday present from the government. Yay, so storm. Got, yay. Yeah, so when I got my second vaccine, about a half an hour to an hour later, I get a text on my phone, and I almost thought it was a scam from the government. Right. Because all these bunch of scams that are going out, and they said, Proof of vaccination. Going proof of vaccination. So I copied the link and I p- put it onto my computer because I didn't want to download it on my phone. Mm-hmm. And I, because I have an antivirus thing, so I take a look. Sure enough, bingo! My first, my first, uh, my first, uh, my first shot, my first dose was February eighteenth at my place of residence. Second dose, May nineteenth. Second dose and both was indicated Pfizer at my place of residence. So I'm wondering now if they're going to, if there's going to be a part, and I have a funny feeling I would not be surprised if this is going to happen. This might be wind up going into future passports, proof of immunity against, and I'm wondering.
0: Well, you're going to need it eventually to, to travel. So
1: yeah. So so the so the thing is, I got one. So I don't know how that's going to work in terms of will it be built in the in the passport and future passports that we're going to be getting. Now I know we're going to be getting boosters in terms of the variations of COVID nineteen. Um, just as the other day, apparently there's another variation in Vietnam that people are now being worried about. There was a variation. Uh, I, don't in- so- I don't even listen to. I don't even listen to anymore. So the okay. thing is, there's there there is going to be booster shots. Uh, the Just like basically like the flu shots that we get every year, the people that, that do get the flu shots every year, because there's always a different variant of the flu, the strain mm-hmm. of the flu. So the same thing will probably be with COVID. But for the the first initial dosage that, uh, that I got, and you're going to get the second one coming up soon, um, that's going to be a big thing. And I think I see where governments are going to go, and countries will probably not admit people or not wanting to admit uh, admit people until they have proof that they got at least two vaccines.
0: Yeah, well, that's happening already, Sheldon. Yeah. And we're all out of time, Sheldon. Howie, it's, it's been fun. You know, the, 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 I, hour, the, the hour and a half goes by so quick.
1: I am telling you, it's 90 like...
0: minutes just flies when I'm talking to Sheldon.
1: I'm telling, especially when you wear that purple shirt, it kind of like prints in Purple Rain. But it, it, yeah, it's, it really flies by very, very, very you fast. You think
0: this is a purple shirt, Sheldon?
1: It looks like that in the lighting.
0: It is. It is blue, Sheldon.
1: The shirt well, it looks blue. like that. It
0: looks purple in the lighting. Sheldon has a color processing problem, apparently.
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I see your, I see your beard being gray, so it's not. Oh, uh, okay. You know... As long as my beard is gray, and then, then. You yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. All the leaves are brown and the sky's gray, uh, gray. You know exactly. California dreaming. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. It's been fun.
0: Yeah. That's, that's one of the songs of you might hear on Sheldon's show.
1: Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I just <laughs> want to let you know, I um, I have a big surprise coming up in my show Uh-oh. in September.
0: September. Yeah. I, yeah, will speak off, I will speak to you off-air about it. But it's, it's May, so <laughs> we have quite a ways to go.
1: Yeah, no, uh, that's what I'm saying. I'll speak yeah. to you in the month of August about it, but I'm just forewarning the listeners now that in the fall, there's going to be a big, big surprise if you're a fan of a certain artiste Ooh. that I do play on my show. You're going to hear the artist for two hours. Ooh, back to for... back to back to back. Looking forward to that. Yeah. And I know that's one of your favorite groups and the frontrunner of this group is one of your favorite artists.
0: Yes. It's uh, the Mamas and the Papas. No. And, and he's going to, and ABBA. He's going no, to them back no, no, to no. back. ABBA
1: is not, does not one, fit the, one, the one, one song,
0: classic th- rock. No, one no. song Mamas and the Papas, next song ABBA, next song Mamas and the Papas, next song ABBA. No. It, it reminds it me of a like friend
1: that. of mine <laughs> who well, shall remain nameless Oh uh, yes. Yes. We'll just leave it at there, shall we?
0: (laughs) A friend of yours who shall remain nameless, (laughs) who played Can't Touch This (laughs) on Shom FM. (laughs) And not only did he play...
1: forget it in my life. Not only
0: did he play Can't Touch This on Shom FM, he played Come On and Feel the Noise by Lucky Ook,
1: a ukulele playing (laughs) band... You want to tell people out there that are, that don't know what show is? Uh, it's a classic rock station. Okay. Yeah. Rest assured I will not play that on my Inside the Vault show. That's a promise from me.
0: Oh, I was looking forward to hearing Sheldon Fried. Sorry, Oof. that's like no no. can't But purchase. it is a, it is no, a, no, 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 it, it is
1: on. a group and it's a person the forerunner of this group it, this group went through a couple of of uh, vocal changes yeah and uh yeah and i think you're i think you're going to enjoy that
0: i am looking forward to it i don't even know what you're talking about but i'm looking forward to it i'll
1: tell you after
0: i'm sure you will yes <laughs> all right i'm howie silberger he's sheldon freed i'd like to thank you for joining us it has it's been a pleasure a honor a privilege and a pleasure to be on the air with you thank and, you and the uh, same goes with you i will be back again on tuesday with Political Hitman, Tuesday at midnight, so Tuesday going into Wednesday, midnight. With Political Hitman, I hope you could join me, not, not Sheldon, but the rest of you. Sheldon will be sleepy. He'll be sleeping already. It's way past his bedtime, so... Uh, Definitely, yeah so, yeah. so Sheldon will be sleeping at midnight, but I'll be here on the air with you and Political Hitman at midnight on Tuesday going into Wednesday. And, of course, me and Sheldon, we should be back here again next week with another should episode. Should be back here next week, yes. The so bigger Show. Until then, I bid you a great week and uh, and uh, stay safe out there. You too, Sheldon. You stay safe.
1: You too, you too, stay and,
0: safe. And happy belated birthday yet again, Sheldon turned ninety seven. And uh, you know we had to keep repeating it throughout the show. What did you try to say to me again? We have to repeat it throughout the show because because you know his memory isn't what it used to be. So um, so so we repeat it We keep repeating it. Sheldon, happy birthday! I know it was last Thank week. You. I just Thank want to you wish you, you, you a much happy, happy birthday, Nathaniel Schulberger.
1: I really appreciate it.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you again next time.